Is fee-for-service medicine the crack cocaine of healthcare? And how can we move from the devastation it's caused to a world of value-based care? We'll find out on this episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and chief transformation strategist, David Saltzman. This episode of the Shift Shapers podcast is brought to you by Captivated Health, a captive insurance arrangement that helps small and mid-market companies escape the fully insured marketplace and delivers stability, control, and savings without watering down employees' benefits or increasing their premium share. If you have clients in the educational institution or the engineering vertical, go to our website at CaptivatedHealth.com or click on the company logo on the Shift Shapers website. On this episode of Shift Shapers, we're speaking with Brian Klepper. Brian is Principal at Healthcare Performance, Inc. and Worksite Health Advisors. And he believes there's an emerging model that focuses on value. Now, we've talked a bit about value in different contexts in earlier episodes. This is something where Brian has done a deep dive. He may be one of the three or four most foremost experts on this subject. And so we're pleased that we were able to capture a little bit of his time to to chat with us. And with that, welcome, Brian. Thanks so much. So in our pre-interview, I'm always interested in words. In our pre-interview, we talked a little bit about how you believe we're moving towards value, but that where we are today is a train wreck. Those are strong words. I'm not sure that they're unwarranted, but they're certainly strong words. Explain why you believe that and and what you see as the train wreck that is today's model. Well, you know, guys like like me, like us, have talked about the healthcare cost crisis for 25 years. But when you switch your position and you start looking into individual high-value niches, musculoskeletal care, which is a quarter of all the money we spend, cardiometabolic, which is, which is probably a little less than that, drugs, which is 15 to 20%, imaging, which is 10 to 15%. What you see is that in every area of healthcare, every area that you look at at all, the utilization is excessive. The pricing is egregious, and we really have have evolved to a model where we do things on behalf of the people in the healthcare industry rather than for patients and for purchasers. There's really very little value. An example of this, David, would be in spinal care, where half of the surgeries that are done are completely inappropriate and unnecessary. They're not warranted. In orthopedic care, which does not have a reliable diagnostic methodology, so double the the surgeries get done that should be done. In cancer, where 96% of advanced patients are going to die, and two-thirds of the drugs that have been approved by the FDA in the last decade have no evidence that they actually work. They've been approved on what are called surrogate metrics, like progression-free survival. We have an entire healthcare industry that is built on the set of, of false assumptions that we're actually doing stuff that, that works, when in fact, we're paying double what we should be paying and could legitimately pay half of what we are, we're currently paying for much better health outcomes and, and much, better, much better costs. So how did we get there? Is it, is it just a money thing? 
It is not just a money thing, but it's largely a money thing. It's a lack of professionalism among clinicians, and it's the utter corporatization of healthcare as well. I mean, everybody in the industry is complicit in this. And if you dig down deep, everybody knows that they're complicit. So health plans, for example, will will swear up and down that they don't have any influence over the care that's delivered, but they make decisions about which providers are going to be on the network and what they're going to pay for and what they're not going to pay for. They're, of course, complicit. They're, they're driving this problem. And the real, the real issue ends up being, like you say, money, because, because at the end of the day, everybody is going to say that they believe in greater value. It's just that nobody wants to make lower per patient revenues. Is the employer-based system the reason, in large measure, why there hasn't been a patient or a consumer revolt over this? That's a good question. I I don't quite know the answer to that. The advantage to having an employer-based system is that you have, is that employers represent aggregations of of patients and and large purchasing power. The problem with a consumer-based system is that consumers are easily misled, they're easily led and misled. And, and they don't have a center of power. So what has ended up happening in the U.S. is that we have a Congress that, is, that has its arms open wide to money purchased influence, to lobbying, which is essentially just bribery. And so the whole policy framework has, has evolved to support the egregious practices of the industry. I mean, if, if, I was, if I were going to give you a taxonomy of the big problems in healthcare, at the top of the pyramid is, is lobbying. Lobbying is the cancer on the democracy. And, and in healthcare, it controls virtually everything. And, and an example of this is that in 2009, the year that the ACA was, was formulated, Congress accepted $1.2 billion in campaign contributions in exchange for influence by the industry over the shape of the law. That's why the law looks like it does. It, it wasn't written specifically by the Democrats. It was written by the industry with the complicity of the Democrats who received a lot of that money. And as an example of the, of the impact of that, you can look at the stock prices of healthcare health plans, Aetna and Cigna, United, Anthem, Humana, and their, their stock prices have grown between six and 800% just in the eight years since. So, I mean, it, it's, a, it's a profound problem. The three other major problems are a lack of transparency of, of cost and quality and safety data. It's fee-for-service reimbursement, which is the crack cocaine of healthcare. And it's the subjugation of primary care, which has happened over a long period of time. The goal being to get around the primary care function and get patients right to the place where it's much more lucrative. I know that this sounds very cynical, but when you when you look closely at the system and you and you've been watching it as long as I have, these these conclusions are 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 inescapable. So let's dive in a little bit deeper. What is we talk a lot about value based healthcare? A lot of a lot of practitioners talk about it. What's the best definition of that? If we want a level set of value. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think simply value is cost per unit quality. And we too often look at quality without without cost information or simply cost information. We make purchasing decisions on that and because of that, 
we have evolved to a place in, in American healthcare where we don't pay much attention at all to, to quality. And as a result, we have wild variations in quality for the same thing within, within the same market even. We don't hold people to standards. Most, most provider organizations that are delivering care have no meaningful quality management structure in place. So you sort of get whatever you get. And if people do things to patients and they don't have to look at what the results actually are, then they just assume that it went okay. You know, as opposed to setting up a set of quality performance indicators, quality metrics, and every time you do an intervention, you look at those performance metrics and say, did I get the result that was desired? Because if I didn't, I, I must need to rethink my model and, and course correct my, my treatment pathway. We don't do that in American healthcare, and we sorely need to. That's, that's one of the core problems. And now, a word from our sponsor. Captivated Health is a single-source solution for your clients and prospects in the education and engineering verticals. The founders of Captivated Health have 35 years' experience working with healthcare and benefit clients, and over that time, they've developed a keen understanding of the unique problems mid-market clients experience. Frustrated by a lack of control, the unpredictability of ever-increasing healthcare costs, and the pressures and regulations of the Affordable Care Act, these groups have been adrift in the fully insured commercial marketplace. Until now. Captivated Health has built a program that solves those problems and does so with virtually no disruption to employees while saving clients millions of dollars. We wanted you to be among the first to know that Captivated Health is building a national distribution partner network so you can bring this cutting-edge solution to your education and engineering clients that you advise. To learn more about Captivated Health's solution, go to our website at www.captivatedhealth.com or click on our logo on the Shift Shapers website. And, and yet, for, for a long time, there's been this perception among plans, let's use that generically and broadly, that higher cost is equivalent to higher quality. And that just is not the case, is it? Absolutely not true at all. And as, as a lot of the companies that I work with are able to show, the best care is based on evidence. And it's very often most streamlined and much less costly. As a matter of fact, I, I would say that we could, we will show in the next 10 to 15 years that compared with today's pricing and today's quality, we'll be able to deliver far better health outcomes at dramatically lower cost on the order of half or less of what we're currently paying now. That's astonishing. And we, we spoke in an earlier episode to Gene Thompson from Healthcare Cayman Islands, Healthcare City Cayman Islands. Are we seeing, and I know that they're doing remarkable stuff, are we seeing any U.S.-based evidence that we're starting to move towards value-based rather than this crazy pricing system that we've got? The incentives are so strongly aligned against that. So, for example, I can, I can introduce you to a number of people who have been running accountable care organizations for hospitals where they've they've come to loggerheads with their senior teams that that hired them who don't want them to do the work that they were that they were hired to do because it lowers per patient revenues you know you can say all day long you know i i really really believe in value but you know just so long as it doesn't affect my revenues well the fact is is that half or more of everything we spend on healthcare is unnecessary and inappropriate. 
You know, the, the, the examples I gave in orthopedics are not exaggerated. I can show you very clearly in data that half of the stuff that we do in orthopedics provides no benefit at all and often, oftentimes is not warranted in the first place. The same goes in all these other areas of medicine. So if you were to restructure the system and only pay for things that did provide value, the cost structure of the system would be dramatically changed and it would cause, it would wreak havoc on the, on the industry because the industry is, has come to depend on the revenues that are illegitimate. How do you get to that point? I mean, it just seems like almost an insurmountable mountain. What you say is true, but, but there's only one way to do it that I can, that I can think of because, and, and the trick here is, as we said before, Congress is owned by the industry. So it's, it's irrational at the end of the day to try to fix healthcare through policy. I'm not a supporter of any of that because, because at the end of the day, policy is shaped by the guy who has the biggest checkbook and Congress is all in with that idea. And we haven't been able to do anything to, to fix that problem, which, which by the way, erodes democracy. There's no question about that. But the fact remains, Congress accepts money from, from special interests and they spin legislation to their favor in exchange for that money. And that's just the way it is. So if you want to fix health care, the only place to do it is in the market. And the way to do that is to basically offer a better deal, make them an offer they can't refuse. And it turns out that there are organizations in healthcare that are emerging and that, that are in high-value niches. I'm not talking about things like wellness. I'm talking about places where the money really is. Musculoskeletal care, cardiometabolic care, cancer care, imaging, drug management, where the money really is. And, and these companies, I refer to them generically as high-performance companies, but they are, they're interesting sociologically. They're led by people who are who tend to be passionate and mission-driven. They tend to be data and evidence-driven. And they have high subject matter expertise in some niche. And they, will, they have rethought, deconstructed some problem in healthcare that we're all you know, reasonably familiar with. And they've come up with a completely different answer than everybody else. And then they've refined it. And they're, us they're usually able to demonstrate that they can get not just better results, they get wildly better results at a fraction of the cost of conventional care. The health plans, as it turns out, are not much interested in these companies because if they make healthcare costs less, the health plan's earnings will be less, and that means their stock price and their market capitalizations will be less too. So, the, so there is a perverse incentive in the organizational structure, the legal structure of organizations, to make healthcare continue to cost more. Let me give you some examples of what I'm talking about with the high performance companies. So it turns out that there is a company in Florida that specializes in musculoskeletal management. And they now have a number of very large clients, Michelin, the US Army, General Dynamics, companies like that, serious clients. And they've been in place for a number of years. And so they have several hundred thousand patient encounters under their belt. They're, they're built on not orthopedics, but on a 
subdiscipline of physical therapy that's highly credible, comes out of New Zealand called the McKinsey Method. It's also called Mechanical Diagnosis and Therapy. And it has a very accurate diagnostic methodology that orthopedics does not use. And the data show, after hundreds of thousands of of patients, that this organization is able to intervene on about 80% of musculoskeletal cases and that it gets hugely better health outcomes, pain reduction, activities of daily living, range of motion, and it does it in half the recovery time and at half the cost of conventional orthopedics. It reduces surgeries by two-thirds compared to conventional orthopedics. It It reduces imaging by half and injections by a third. To put this in perspective, musculoskeletal care is a quarter of all the money we spend in group health care, and it's 60% of all the money we spend in occupational health care. It's an enormous piece of, of the healthcare puzzle. And so if you're a company like a Michelin and you, you do this one thing, your total healthcare spend is going to drop somewhere between 5 and 13 14%, and your health outcomes of your patients are going to be way better than they would be ordinarily. I mean, it, it's, it's profound, it's dramatic, and it's simply a better approach. There's a similar, a similar company that does a similar methodology, but in cardiometabolic care, patients who have diabetes and heart conditions and hypertension and things like that. In a recent study that came out in the American Journal of Managed Care, the people behind this company did a project for Blue Cross of Louisiana where they trained 600 primary care physicians around the state in how to better take care of these patients who, who had the, these kinds of conditions. And in the first year, with only part of the physicians really buying in and, and, and actively supporting this approach, it dropped total spend on, on that condition by about more than $300 per patient. And the health outcomes were dramatically better. They, they, they almost doubled their achievement of performance targets for hypertension and, and diabetes compared to regular care. So we have found this, this sort of thing in cancer, in, in drug management. You ought to be able to, to buy all the drugs that we're buying now, but for about 35% less than we're currently spending. The same thing in imaging. You, we ought to be able to spend half of what we're currently spending on imaging and so on. And when you put all these things together, and if you were to put them all under one umbrella, the math shows that you should easily be able to provide better health outcomes for about half the money. But if you're looking at it from a business perspective, think of it this way. You can get better health outcomes for, let's say, 25% less than you're currently spending, but with 10% for the company that put it together for their, for their margin, and another 15% for wiggle. In other words, we don't have to be exorbitant about it or make, or make wild claims, but the math absolutely says this, and there will be people who, who, who go down this path. In the two or three minutes that we have left, how do you see this getting out into the mid and mid-large markets? It's happening now. I have, a, I have a number of mid-sized and large clients who are all headed in this direction. They see the logic of it, and they're absolutely thrilled about it. I'm talking to audiences all over the country, audiences of employers and unions all over the country, and they, they see that there's no other approach that works, and they're willing to look at the data and consider it, and then they're, and then they're, they're proceeding. 
So there is a, I mean, to my mind, after 25 years of working in this area, I'm the most optimistic that I've ever been about this, about this problem because of the emergence of these kinds of companies in the marketplace. That's a great place to end our interview for today. Brian Klepper, Principal at Healthcare Performance, Inc. and Worksite Health Advisors. Brian, thanks for a fascinating discussion. Thank you, David. I really appreciate the time. I enjoyed it. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of the Saltzman Group. We work with entrepreneurs, executives, and companies just like you to help shape the shifts in your business. To schedule a 20-minute call to learn more, visit our website at thesaltzmangroup.com or call me directly at 803-386-8005. I'd love to hear from you. And while you're on our site, you can also click the podcast tab for the entire catalog of Shift Shapers episodes and to access some really great special offers. Give me a call at 803-386-8005 and learn how to put the secrets of the Ship Shapers to work in your business. 